I do have a lot that I want to share with you this morning as we begin our Christmas series called The King is Coming. The King is Coming. And, and this morning, for the next four weeks, we're going to be digging in the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at the Christmas story, what, what many of us would call the Christmas story, the birth and early childhood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think most of you are probably very familiar uh, with these passages of Scripture. And maybe you're a newer believer, or, or, or maybe you've been in church a very short period of time. This will be a great learning opportunity for you to really just see what the Scriptures say about Christ and His birth. Uh, I will say this, as we read through these accounts uh, in Matthew's Gospel, many of you know that, that Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel carry probably the most detail about Jesus' birth and then his early childhood. And, uh, and, and I'll say this, Matthew's account is a little bit different than, than Luke's account. And, and so if you're a student of the Bible, you know, when God does something different or says something different in one place than he does from another place, that's a, that's a, a sign that we should pay attention because there's more detail that God wants to give us. And so what's interesting is that in Matthew's gospel, Matthew portrays Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. He is the coming king that will soon reign. And, and Luke's account of the gospel is certainly still accurate. Uh, in, in Luke's gospel, it really presents Christ's humanity. But in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel presents Christ's birth and the early childhood of Christ, and the wise men coming, and all those different things, it presents Christ as the king. And, and you know, that's interesting at Christmas, because, because listen, you know, at Christmas time, I mean, we, most of us probably have already started or, uh, decorating and getting ready to celebrate Christmas and all those different things. And, you know, generally speaking, our culture, our cultural uh, view, I guess, of Christmas is of, of a softer gentler Christmas story, right? I mean, really, let's just be honest. That's what sells merchandise, right? I mean, that's what you can't, you, you go to the store and you buy Christmas decorations. There's always going to be the babe in the manger. But how many Christmas decorations have you seen on sale that actually show a king on a throne? Well, you don't see that at all. But actually, that babe in the manger is a king, and, and, and our perception of Christmas, I think, many times gets a little skewed by preference, by tradition, by uncomfortableness with the fact that this babe is, a, is, a, is the king of the world. He's the king of the universe. He's the creator, maker, sustainer of all things. And, and, it, and it makes us a little uneasy because we're comfortable with Christ as a babe, but I'm telling you, that babe is a king that has a throne. You see, we're more comfortable with a babe lying in a manger than a king riding upon a white horse. Revelation chapter 19. Hello? We're more comfortable with a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes than we are a king being clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. Revelation chapter 19. We're more comfortable with the Son of God who came to redeem all mankind instead of being comfortable with the King of kings and Lord of lords who will judge all of mankind. You see, we're more comfortable with a babe that's surrounded by shepherds than the Christ that is followed by the armies of heaven. And, and again, I guess babes and mangers and shepherds sell more seasonal merchandise than swords and horses and blood-stained vestures. But I want to remind you the next four weeks that the King is coming. And the Word of God reveals to us this morning that that babe that was born was and is a king. 
And you see, here's the problem we have with that. You see, a king represents supreme authority. A king represents supreme authority, but a babe means that we, as adults, have authority over it. (laughs) Hello? But that king represents supreme authority. That king rules over a kingdom. You see, a king requires submission and obedience. A king makes war. And a king executes judgment. And listen, as as wonderful as Luke's account of the gospel is, and it is wonderful, Luke's account of the gospel deals with Christ's humanity. Matthew's gospel deals with Christ's authority and his deity and his rulership and his divine throne. And so I want you to pick it up in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25. We'll read the text, we'll pray, and we'll begin our series, The King is Coming. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, the Bible says this, Now, The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and, shall call, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray and get into the Word this morning. Father, we love you. We, we thank you for the time of worship. God, we always understand it's for you, but Lord, it, it does encourage us. It strengthens us. It reminds us of the truths of who you are and the promises that you've made to us. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the, the opportunity to give you a sacrificial offering of our praise. God, you're worthy of it, and uh, your son Jesus is worthy of it, and we thank you for the time, and, and we thank you for the mission update and, and for, for all you're doing at the College of Brockport and for the, the Sauer family and their ministry there. We pray that you bless them and, uh, Lord, just enlarge their, their opportunity to minister to students. God, thank you for this second college now that they have an impact in, and we pray for their activity in a week that, that many people would be ministered to in Jesus' name, and that they would hear the gospel plainly. And then for us, Father, this morning, as we begin to unpack and uh, just open our eyes to the Christmas story over the next four weeks, God, give us understanding like we've never had before, and help us to see the big picture of the fact that this King is Christ, and uh, and He demands our submission and our authority and our worship, and uh, Lord, He receives all the glory. And so this morning, be glorified in everything that's said and done. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so how many of you have read this Christmas story before in Matthew chapter 1? You, all of us have read this, right? We, we, we know this portion of Scripture. And, and, you know, I was praying about this as, as I was really planning out this series. And, and we're going to be in Matthew 1 and then all the way into Matthew chapter 2. Starting next week, we'll get into Matthew chapter 2. Uh, but we're going to really just focus in on this issue of the king. And, and really, we get into that next week. But I'll, but I'll have you just remember that, that Mary and Joseph are allowed opportunity, so to speak, to be a part of what God is doing and revealing His Son to this world. And so 
as we, as we get into this passage this morning, I want you to keep the focus on this coming king. Not just a babe, not just a, a virgin that's going to give birth, but, but Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords coming to this earth to be revealed to all of humanity. And, and as we look at Mary and Joseph, there's some things practically we can learn from this story, I think even for our life today as we try to live out our faith in the 21st century. And I think the first principle we'll gain this morning is this, the coming king presents me and you opportunity to be missional. The coming king presents us an opportunity to be missional. And if you look back in the verse, in verse 18, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, You've read that story probably a hundred times. You've heard that story. You've, you've recited that story to your children. There's so many truths in this passage of Scripture that, that we're going to unpack. Listen, the Lord decides to show up on this planet in the midst of a marriage. In the midst of a marriage. A man is espoused to this woman and they're a young couple. Uh, some historians say that Mary is probably anywhere from 12 to 14 years old, which culturally speaking would have been appropriate. This is probably a prearranged marriage from their families. And listen, they, they're a young couple. They have the entire life ahead of them. As is the such, if you remember what it was like to be young and dumb and in love, <laughs> you, remember back, you remember back that far? You're living on love. <laughs> They were probably very poor, we know that, because when, when she went after Christ was born and, and offered what was required after Christ's birth, she, she offered the, the minimum requirement, the two turtle doves, because that's all she could afford. She couldn't afford a lamb to offer as a sacrifice. And so, and so this young couple is, is just like many of us, or what we used to be, young couples. And listen, God, God kind of wrecks their plans. I don't know if you've ever read the story like that, but God wrecks their plans. I mean, listen, here's this young couple with their whole life ahead of them, probably with their own desires and dreams and ideas about family and all of these different things. And listen, God gives them the opportunity, not just of a lifetime, but God gives them the opportunity of all eternity to be a part of what he's doing. God gives us the opportunity to be missional in our life. And listen, only God can give you the opportunity and only you can decide what to do with it. You know, you find the details of this in, in Luke chapter 1, and, and I don't want you to go to the next slide yet, Derek, but listen, in Luke chapter 1, there's a more detailed account of what happens with Mary. Luke, you get a really abbreviated account uh, of the conversation that, that the angel Gabriel has with Mary. But in Luke chapter 1, Verses 26 to 38, let me just read it to you. The Bible says, In the sixth, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And you know the story. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him... She was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I mean, I mean, the angel Gabriel showed up and begins talking to her, and she's not rejoicing. She's actually a little troubled. Like, what is this all about? And so the Bible says in verse 30, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And that's an interesting statement, by the way. 
And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, because this babe is a king. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said unto the angel, How shall this thing be, seeing I have known, not known a man? In other words, she's not married, she's not had intimate relations with a man. And the angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also is conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Mary was given an opportunity. And the angel of the Lord just said, Gabriel said, hey, here's what God wants to do. And, and God has found you favorable. And he's just presenting you an opportunity. But you've got to decide if you really want that for your life or not. You say, how do you know that? Well, verse 38 says this, and this is what's on the screen. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You see, every opportunity God gives us results in a choice. And you've got to make the choice. When God gives you opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, God will never force your hand. Have you noticed that? God will never force you. He will never make you worship him, serve him, be a part of what he's doing. But friends, listen, he will give you the opportunity. And how you respond to the opportunity makes all the difference. And, and Mary said, you know what? This sounds like completely impossible. Like I don't even understand how this works. And, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> and it sounds like you've you got a plan that's bigger than me and that's bigger than my pre predetermined ideas about marriage and life and all these different things. And I think I'll just choose to go with you, Lord. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Well, God gave Mary the opportunity. And then, you know, of course, she was espoused to a man named Joseph. And espoused in the Bible literally means engaged. It was legal. It was legally binding. But, but their marriage had not been consummated yet through the ceremony and the consummation. Well, listen, the Lord had to show up to Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, and we'll get to this in the next point, but Joseph realizes that his wife or his, his espoused wife is with child, but he doesn't realize that God is at work. And he ponders his next decisions. He thinks about putting her away, separating from her. He sleeps on it. And as he sleeps on it, God reveals to him, hey, Joseph, here's what I'm doing. Do you want to be a part of that? And Joseph had to make the same decision that Mary made. He had an opportunity to get involved with what God was doing, or Joseph could have just said, you know what, I'm just going to put her away and go about my life and go about my business, and I'll find another woman, and I'll get married, and I'll just do my own thing, and that's it. There was an opportunity to be missional, but it, but it resulted in a choice. And, of course, we'll get into the next point. You've already read the text with me. Joseph made the right choice because he took his wife unto him. And they just trusted God with their marriage. And, and I find it very, very interesting. Listen, Jay, why are you preaching on marriage at Christmas? Well, it's just kind of interesting that the Lord, the Lord decided to show up on this planet right in the midst of a marriage. 
right in the midst of a marriage. And here's the point. God wants to give you and I the opportunity to be a part of his mission. And his mission is to reveal Jesus Christ, the Son of God, listen, to the world. That's the opportunity that's on the table for every person in this room. You can be a part of what God is doing in this world. God wants to give you the opportunity, but you got to make a choice. And, and you may even have to make a choice. Listen, this is God. This is, this is the plan I had for my life. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have 2.5 kids, a dog. I'm definitely not going to have a cat because they're demonic. I'm going to have a four-bedroom house and two cars. You have already made your mind up for, for your life's decisions, and God just kind of interrupts your plans. Isn't that how God works? Isn't that how God works? You know how God works like that practically in your life? You come to a church like this, and all of a sudden, man, listen, you enjoy sitting in the service and enjoy the preaching and all these things, and then all of a sudden somebody gives you the opportunity to get discipled. That'll wreck your plan. That'll wreck your world. Won't it? Hello? I mean, it'll wreck your world. No, 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 God. I mean, this is what I had planned for my life. No, God wants you to be missional, and he gives you an opportunity. And what you do with the opportunity makes all the difference in the world. God wants your marriage missional. You say, I didn't get married to have my marriage missional and to focus on God. Well, God's going to give you the opportunity anyways. God showed up in the, in the, in the very beginning to reveal his son to the world through a couple that was a spouse to be married. God wants your marriage missional, and, and I'm just saying it, your marriage is either missional or it's miserable because God intended your marriage to reveal Christ to this world. That's God's intention for your marriage, and, and that's why you should be signed up for Wedstrong, and if you aren't signed up, well, you're probably missing the point of what your marriage is all about. Do you hear me? You may be missing the point of what your marriage is all about because it's to, it's to reveal Christ through your marriage to the world. Single people in the room, listen, God's plan is to use your life. to. You don't have to be married to reveal Christ to the world. If you're single today, God, God's giving you the opportunity to be a part of his mission to reveal Jesus Christ to the entire world. And that forces our hand to, to consider the choice on the table. It forces our hand to consider that God's mission is bigger than just my life, my plans, my desires, my dreams, my goals, It forces me to choose that and consider that because that's not just a babe in a manger. That's a king. That's a king. And you see, you see, it's different. It's different when you read the story and you realize, oh, that's more than just a little baby that's cute and one day he's going to grow up and die for the sin of the world. No, 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 no. He is all that and, and much more. But he's a king. He is the king of all kings. And listen, when he gives you opportunity to be involved in what he's doing, well, that ups the ante a little bit on the opportunity. Number two, number two, what we'll learn this morning is this. Not only does God give us the opportunity to be missional in our marriage and missional in our lives through his coming king, but number two, this coming king causes me to consider my life choices. You see, the king is going to make these people, Mary and Joseph, really consider what their life is pointed toward and purposed toward. And, and, and specifically, most of this is going to deal with Joseph because he's the man, he's the husband, he's the leader of the home. And so it's interesting. Pick it up in verse 19 if you'll, if you'll read along in the text in your Bible. Look, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her 
a public example, was minded to put her away privily. In other words, she so she I mean Mary shows up and now man it's obvious that she's pregnant and it's obvious their marriage has not been consummated. <laughs> and the Bible says Joseph had some decisions to make. He had some choices to make and he was a just man and he wasn't willing to make her a public example. We'll talk about that in just a second. He was minded to put her away privately or privately or secretly. Okay, so so listen. We're going to learn some things about Joseph and his decisions, and, and the first thing that we're going to learn is he's a man of character. And so in your blank, character is what determines the choices we make in life. Character is what determines the choices we make in life. What kind of man was Joseph? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about Joseph. Number one, the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. He wasn't just a man. He was just as a man. He was just, and the word just in your Bible means righteous, it means innocent, it means faultless, it means guiltless. He was a righteous man. And if you study the Bible, there's only a handful of men in the Bible that are called just. In other words, Joseph is running in some pretty exclusive company as it relates to the Word of God. And and on the next screen, I gave you a list of people There's only a few people that the Bible actually calls just. you got a guy named Simeon in Luke chapter 2, and the Bible says that that man named Simeon was just and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And by the way, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And once Christ was born, Simeon was able to to go home and to be with the Lord. Noah was called a just man. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I just want to establish the fact that Joseph was a man of character and integrity, and so were these other men. John the Baptist was called just. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 20, the Bible says, Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy. In Acts chapter 10, the first Gentile convert of the New Testament, Cornelius, the Bible says that this man was a centurion, and he was a just man and one that feared God. Even Lot, even Lot was called just. And and you guys know the story of Lot, right? I mean, Lot ended up in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Had no business being there, had no business staying there, and had trouble leaving there. And, and, and yet, in 2 Peter, the Bible says in verse, 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8, that God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them, seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You know, just man can still end up in Sodom, but he won't be... He won't be able to stay there without some vexing, some vexation. And then, of course, ultimately, every just person in the Bible points to the one just person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Matthew 27 that, that uh, when, when, when he's before Pilate, uh, the wife says, look, have nothing to do with that just man. And, and talking about Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 14, Peter's preaching to Israel, and he says, you've denied the Holy One and the just, capital J, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Joseph is a picture of Christ. 
He's a picture of a righteous man. Number two, we learned that he was willing to show mercy instead of judgment. Now, the Bible says that he wasn't willing to make Mary a public example, but he was minded to put her away privately. And, you know, to put her away, that, that phrase put her away many times in the New Testament, Matthew is used to define divorce. However, their marriage had not been consummated. So even though it was legally binding, uh, their marriage had not actually been officially made uh, right as husband and wife. And so, you know, the put her away is not to divorce her. The put her away is to separate from her because he found her with child. And yet, because he was a man of character and integrity, instead of giving her what she deserved, he gave her what she didn't deserve until he got the full picture of the story. He had mercy on her. And listen, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, we're not going to go there for time's sake, but the Bible says if she shows up with child outside of breaking this marriage covenant, she could be stoned. She could have been stoned publicly by the men of the city. And Joseph would have been well within reason to do that because that's what the law, the Old Testament law said he could have done. So, so even though Joseph was under the law and he knew what he could do according to the law, well, it's, it's, it's interesting that he gave grace and mercy in spite of the law. You know, that's a picture of what God did with you. That's a picture of your salvation. You didn't get what you had coming, right? I mean, you didn't get what you had coming. I didn't get what I had coming. Listen, God, in our, in our sinful wickedness, God had every right to destroy us from off the face of this planet and his wrath and fury. And yet, God had mercy on us. God had mercy on us. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. And so, and so listen, Joseph is a man of integrity. He doesn't give her what she deserves. He shows mercy. As a matter of fact, in verse 24, the Bible says that he raised, uh, out of, after he gets the vision from the Lord, he comes up out of his sleep and he took unto him his wife. Instead of putting her away, he took her unto him. There's some really good marriage advice in, in this little portion of Scripture, husbands. If you're willing to receive it. Because Joseph was a just man, he brought mercy into his marriage instead of judgment. Number three, I thought we'd get an amen there, but that's okay. I'll take silence, silence as consent. Number three, Joseph was a man of pondering. He was a man of pondering. The Bible says that he thought on these things. He thought on these things. Literally, to think on those things means to ponder, to weigh in the mind, to consider. I mean, what do you do, man? You're espoused, and your fiancé is with child. Well, you are to stop and put it in neutral and think about that for just a minute before you make a rash decision. See, a, a, a man that makes a rash decision is going to go back to the law and have her executed by the men of the city. Do you hear me? But this man was a man of pondering. He took a minute to say, you know what, I need, to, I, need to, I need to step back from this situation and think about this for just a moment. I need, to, I need to weigh this in my mind. I need to consider some things. Hey, men in the room, God wants you to think about some things. God wants you to put your mind towards some things so that you make the right decision for your home and your family. Oh, and by the way, if you realize that there is a king in this process... Well, that'll make you think, I better make the right decision even more. Because I'm trying to please and honor not just a babe. I'm trying to please and honor 
a king. You see, Joseph didn't do what was permitted by the law. He pondered his decision. He thought on these things. In verse 24, it says, being raised from his sleep. In other words, he went home and he slept on it for a night. Can we, can we receive that today? Some of us need to chill out. Wait to hear from the Lord. Make decisions based on God's word in our life. Sleep on it and pray and ask God, what am I going to do in this situation? Joseph was a man of pondering. Yeah, I think the devil gets in our marriages so much. And again, man, I couldn't get away from this marriage theme. And if this bothers you and you'd rather have baby Jesus, well, you know, this is what the Lord has for us. <clears throat> I believe the devil gets in our marriages and mentally our, our men many times check out in our marriages. Because we don't want to think about anything. We don't want to think about, hey, what are you thinking about? Nothing. Okay, well, listen. I know I just threw your husband under the bus, but I'm the, I'm the guy that says that too. My wife asked me, what are you thinking about? And I say, nothing. But men, sometimes we ought to be thinking about some things. We, we ought to actually be pondering and prayerfully considering God because you are the king. What are the choices that I need to make in this life? To please you, because you are, you are supreme. You are the authority. Joseph was a man of pondering. He didn't make rash decisions, but he didn't make no decision. His decision was, let me put some thought to this. Let me see what the Lord has. And by the way, when he began pondering, the Lord showed up and revealed himself to him, which is the next point. Joseph realized God's purpose through the scriptures. And if you read the text, Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 21, the last half, Joseph realized God's purpose. God revealed himself through confirmation of the scripture. Verse, 20, verse, verse 22, now all this was done, and of course he's asleep, and, and the angel of the Lord shows up to, to Joseph now, and he says, listen, there's going to be this child born. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, uh, by, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. That is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 14. In other words, what the angel of the Lord did to Joseph is he said, Hey, what is happening is according to Scripture. It's according to God's plan. It's according to God's word. This is what God is doing. Why don't you get a part of that? Why don't you be a part of that? Well, listen, what a great opportunity. What a great opportunity. I mean, listen, God gives you the choice. God gives you the opportunity. But when you realize he's the king, you want to make the decisions that please him. And Joseph did that. He realized that God had an eternal purpose that was bigger than him, than his wants, than his desires. Joseph realized that, okay, I don't understand this fully. My, my a spouse wife is with child. But now I understand that God is fulfilling his scriptures through our lives. <laughs> Who are we to even be a part of that? Are you kidding me? Now listen, when you sign up to be on board with what God wants for your life, uh, listen, you've you got to take the boundaries down because God didn't play by the rules. <laughs> God will do anything and everything to accomplish his eternal purpose, including offering opportunity of all eternity to a young couple that 
probably before this week in their life, it was just business as usual. And God said, I'm going to rock your world. And if you'll trust me, if you'll humble yourselves and just let me work through you, well, there's nothing impossible I can do. I can't do. You can be a part of something so special, so amazing, that for the rest of all human history, they'll be talking about this, and you'll get to be a part of it. Which leads to this last point in your notes on, on, the, on Joseph. Look, because Joseph was a willing participant, he was privileged to name Jesus Christ. And I want you to go back to verse 21. And, you know, when the angel Gabriel showed up to Mary in Luke chapter 1, the angel did say, hey, this child's name is going to be Jesus. And, and the name was already picked. And, and many of you know uh, that's the, the most difficult part of having children, right? You get a short list of names, and sometimes you even wait till after they're born to name them and all those different things. And whatever the Lord works out in your life, it's no problem. Look at verse 21, Matthew 1 and verse 21. The Bible says, And she brought forth a son, and she shall bring forth a son. This is the angel of the Lord still talking to Joseph. Look what he says. And thou, and thou shall call his name Jesus. I mean, Gabriel told Mary his name. But the angel of the Lord told Joseph, You're the one that's going to get to name him. Are you kidding me? I mean, listen. And in that culture, it's, it's very similar to our culture. Listen, probably more in that culture. Listen, the father had the privilege and the honor of naming his son. And listen, the heavenly father had already picked out his name. And Joseph wasn't his father. But I'm telling you something. Listen, Joseph had the privilege of all privileges because he got to utter the name of Jesus Christ first. Who's this child going to be called? He's going to be called Jesus. What a privilege. You see, when you make the choice, when you make the choice based on character that wants to please God, God kind of honors you with some privilege that some people don't get. But it all comes with the choice that you make. And you can, you can choose to not be a part of the story and not be a part of God's eternal purpose and not be a part of God's mission and not be a part of this coming king and his kingdom. Listen, you can choose that and God will let you choose that. But there are some people that are willing to say, you know what? God, I don't, I don't need to know all the details. I just want to be with you. And however you want to redirect my life to bring you glory so that your son is revealed to the world. Well, I just want to be a part of that. Those are the people. Those are the people that the Lord honors with privilege like no other. The last point is this, and this is probably a really good point and, and not the main point, but it's a good point. Listen, number three, the coming king enables me to postpone pleasure for his purpose. The coming king enables me to postpone pleasure for his purpose. Look at verse 25. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 25 says this. And so listen, what, what, a, what an amazing uh, unraveling of the story in, in Joseph's life and in Mary's life. Listen, their, their world has literally been turned upside down. She has been uh, allowed to, to, to carry the Son of God through the Holy Ghost that's come upon her. Joseph has now realized this is all part of God's will and God's purpose this is fulfillment of Scripture. We're right where God wants us to be. And what an amazing privilege to be a part of this story. And then in verse 25, it says this, And he knew her not. And 
For those of you that are adults in the room, the phrase knew her not doesn't mean that he didn't know who she was. It means that he wasn't intimate with his wife until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. In other words, listen, and you know, every married couple in this room and every single person that desires to be married understands and knows, man, the thing that you look forward to is the marriage, but the thing you really look forward to is the honeymoon. And that's what you look forward to. You look forward to the consummation of the marriage because this is a person that you love and you're willing to spend the rest of your life with and you're willing to die for and to live for and all those different things. And it is pleasurable to be a part of that as a married couple. But you know what? Joseph knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. In other words, he postponed his personal pleasure for God's eternal purpose. Some things are worth waiting for. Some things are worth sacrificing for. You know, the point on this is really simple. What are you willing to postpone for God's eternal purpose in your life? What pleasure would you be willing to forsake so that God could use you to reveal his son to the entire world? You know, Jesus Christ did that. I mean, listen, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 that the Lord, the Lord gave up some things so that he could come to this earth and and redeem us from sin. Do you understand that? It cost him everything. It cost him his life. Well, it cost him more than that. Listen, because the Bible says, for, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. The Lord postponed, man. He gave it up. He, he sacrificed. He chose poverty over pleasure, and he did it for you. And he did it for you, and he did it for you. He was willing to sacrifice. Moses is a great example. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 26 in the Old Testament. The Bible, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house, of course, educated with the best education, given the best food, had the best opportunity, all the different things. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. You know, Moses chose God's people over pleasure. He chose God and God's people over pleasure. There's some Christians in the 21st century that probably need to hear that. They chose God and God's people over pleasure. I just can't come to church on Sundays. I got my ball games. I got my kids' ball games. The race is on. I got to go camping. I, I got to be gone. I got to build a house. I got to, okay, whatever you got to do. I'm just telling you that, that there are people in the Bible we can learn from that, that chose to postpone their personal pleasure for something even greater for something eternal. Listen, Christ and Moses both give us the example that, that, listen, people, God's people matter, and God's eternal purpose matters, and it's worth us sacrificing for. And Joseph said, you know what? Man, I would love to be married and to consummate the marriage and to be intimate with my wife, but listen, God has a greater purpose in front of us. 
And it's so much greater that I'm willing to sacrifice and postpone my pleasure so that God is glorified and that his name, his son's name, Jesus, can be magnified in all of the world. Man, where are those Christians in the 21st century? The coming king, man, it'll change the story. It'll change our view of the story. It'll change it. All of a sudden, we get really uncomfortable now because <laughs> it's not just a babe in a manger. He's a king, and he's worthy. He has all authority. He's worthy, and we're to be submissive. He's worthy, and we're to be a part of his eternal purpose. And listen, it, it's all about him. It's all about him. And so listen, in closing, look, we're out of time. If you had another hour, I'd give it to you, but look, you got to eat your leftover cranberry sauce. All right. <laughs> you know, the first question I would ask all of us is, are you taking advantage of the opportunities in your life to be missional? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities in your life to be missional? You see, the difference, the, the, the difference between Mary and Joseph and the rest of the world was they were just willing to say, yes, Lord. Here's the opportunity. I want to be a part of that. I learned years ago in ministry I got saved when I was 21. I didn't grow up in church. This, this was all new to me. But I learned early on, wherever God was moving, I wanted to be a part of that. And so if somebody asked me, hey, will you come to this small group event? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity. Hey, can you bring chips to this thing? Yeah, I'll be there and I'll bring chips. Real spiritual. Real spiritual. I brought the kind of chips I liked because I didn't care what anybody else wanted. <laughs> But I did take advantage of the opportunity. And by taking advantage of the opportunity, God blessed me and God gave me privilege and opportunity to do other things. And I just learned early on when there's an opportunity, there's always a choice. Some of you have been at this church a long time. You're still not taking advantage of the opportunities. And I don't understand it, quite honestly. But all I can encourage you with is there are people that are taking advantage of it. And they have privilege. And they're seeing God move in their life. And they're seeing miracles happen. And they're learning how to do ministry. And they're just showing up. And God's blessing them for it. If you're missing out on opportunities, I want to encourage you today. Today's the day that you can take advantage of the opportunity. Whatever's put in front of you, whatever's put in front of you, just say yes. Hey, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And, and, and it may mean that your life gets completely unraveled. But wouldn't you rather be with the Lord than trying to figure out your own life by yourself? Are you kidding me? How good do you think you can do? No offense. I mean, how, good, how, how smart do you really think you are? Second question is this. Does Christ's presence as the king have any impact in your choices in life? See, it's easy to make the wrong choice when you just view Christ as a babe in a manger. That's non-threatening. I'm bigger than him. But when you realize who he really is, he's the king. Well, that ought to have an impact in your choices. It ought to have an impact in your choice on Sunday. It ought to have an impact in your choices on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And as, if your choices are only good on Sunday, you're doing it wrong. And he doesn't have the influence and impact that he needs to have in your life, and, and you're probably not living on mission 
and God wants you to live on mission. Number three is this. What are you willing to postpone for God's purpose? What pleasure are you willing to forsake for God's eternal purpose? And let me just warn you, Revelation 3 says that we are a part of the Laodicean church. We are rich, we are increased with goods, and the Bible says that we view ourselves as having need of, of nothing. So we have a material abundance, and yet God says in Revelation chapter 3 that we actually are blind and poor and naked and miserable and a bunch of other negative things that aren't popular to preach. And then he says, you need to buy of me some things, gold tried in a fire, and anoint your eye salve that you can see clearly. In other words, it's going to cost you to be a part of God's purpose. And listen, temporal pleasures are worth forsaking for eternal glory. They really are. They really, really are. They really are. There's people in the Bible that said, you know what? I see the bigger picture. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And so maybe God would challenge you with those things. Let's, let's bow our heads. We're going to have just a song of invitation and just consider what we've heard. Father, we love you.